Hi everyone, this is Pete Perusik. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway and set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around to hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective on how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave me a comment, and share with your friends. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Tom Morris for mile number 20. He is the Senior Assistant Athletic Director for Athletic Performance at Indiana University. We spend time discussing how his athletic background and time competing in adventure races and triathlon has helped provide a foundation for life after sustaining a C6-7 spinal cord injury in 2012. You will hear that through the support of his wife, his IU family, which is incredible, Along with his positive attitude and his willingness to push boundaries of what is possible, he has returned to work with student athletes, strength training, and riding a hand cycle five days a week. I do have one correction. At the end of the episode, we spent time talking about the song Say I Won't by Mercy Me, which I heard for the first time the night before. I may have been incorrect with the title, but the content of the song is so appropriate on how Tom lives his life. I hope you enjoy. It's great meeting you. I feel like I already know you. I love it. I love it. I hope it's all good stuff, but uh, that's awesome. It is all good stuff. So how have you been? Things have been good. Things have been good. We're uh, busy right now. You know, got a, a lot of good things happening, but um, this whole year has been quite, uh, as everybody says, the pivot. But um, in the world of athletics, you know, just trying to keep when the main priority is just keeping everyone um, able to play, it's a lot different than, than years past. You know, we've always, you know, we're so focused on the game was a guaranteed. It was going to happen. It was just a matter of the preparation and, and taking everything into account, getting into it. Now it's just crossing the fingers that everyone um, could just stay safe. And, and, and you know, the, the, out of the hundred and some people that work with, or the, actually the 150 people that work with a football team, keeping everybody you know, not letting one of them slip through the cracks. And um, yeah, it's been quite a challenge, but nonetheless, I'll tell you, we have learned a heck of a lot over this, uh, this year and we're learning a lot of stuff about ourselves and it's been quite a learning experience. Yeah, that's good though. It'll be interesting going into hopefully next year when we're back to, to normal, what you've uh, taking all those things you've learned this year. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and it's changed. I mean, you, you, you have to feel this as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's shown, you know, Zoom, for instance, we, we always had speakers come in. And, and I remember the one speaker we really wanted to have, but um, he couldn't come in here and talk to us. So he's like, yeah, I could do a Zoom session with you. And I was like, no, wait, who wants to talk through a computer? Like how, like we want to feel you in front. And um, well, you know, thrown, get thrown into this and you find out how productive this is and how we could change. So yeah, it's, We've, we've learned a lot. And I think the, the landscape of when we exit this and what, whatever this, um, the new normal that we're going into, because it's not going to go back to that old normal, uh, but whatever we do transition into, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be pretty special. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be efficient and yeah. it's going to uh, lend 
to a much more productive um, a way of doing things. Yeah, that's good. Um, so how long have you been with IU? 15 years now. Okay. Yeah, so quite some time. Okay, so what's your title there now? So my title now is Senior Assistant Athletic Director for um, Athletic Performance. Okay. So quite a wordy title. <laughs> so what's that mean? So what that means is that I oversee, we have, I have a staff of 14 and 14 strength conditioning coaches. And then our strength conditioning coaches oversee all of the strength and conditioning aspects uh, to perform uh, to, to all of 740 some athletes right now. So 740 some athletes, 24 sports, um, all of them doing strength and conditioning. Um, I oversee all the strength coaches that would, uh, or, uh, you know, kind of implement their programs. Okay. Um, can I ask you a question? What are you using for a mic? Looks like I'm getting some, um, is it just there? I think it's maybe this. You know what? Let me, I have, let me see if I can do this. What if I just go? That sounds better. It does. Okay. Yeah. You okay with that? But can you hear me? Oh, it's even better. Yeah. No, no problem at all. That's perfect. Yeah. I think what was, it was picking up basically just the vibration of stuff. So, you know, I don't want to have to, I can edit a lot of it out, but you know, it's just easier to not have to worry about that ahead of time. Absolutely. No, no problem at all. It's a lot easier. I can move around a lot easier. Without <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah, I, don't good. Why, I, I don't know why I've had that. That's gone. That's been doing that. Um, even this morning, it was doing it a little bit too. So I have to get that checked. Okay. So how is it work then? So you said what over 700 athletes that you're kind of uh, managing. Um, how's it work? Are you in at the gym all day long? What's it typically like? So the old days we were, we would get in there, First group started at six o'clock. So we were in there by five 30 and uh, you know, you, you have athletes that are coming in all throughout the day and they're there. Everything is scheduled. Everything is laid out, but um, that's what we did. We, from about five 30 in the morning till about seven o'clock at night, that was when we had a staff of about five or six. Now having 14 um, it's kind of relieved yeah, the load a lot. So what okay. we end up doing is we end up piecing it off that each one of us would have between two and four teams and then we take care of um, all their needs. So all their, um, everything from strength to conditioning, to speed, to mobility. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of the ones that are the hands-on um, with our athletes looking to get the, the highest level of performance out of them. Okay. So you, obviously you're working uh, closely with the coaches, with their regular team coaches, um, but right. do you pretty much, they leave everything to you as far as the strength training and stuff? Well, in a perfect world, yes, but... Uh, <laughs> We live in a world where coaches definitely have uh, strong opinions, you know, especially at this level, you know, they're, yeah. they've come with a, a background of how they've done strength conditioning. And, um, you know, the reality is, is a lot of them grew up, you know, a lot of our coaches are, are, are older. I mean, I guess I'm older at that point, but yeah. what they did 20 years ago, isn't the best practice right now. So we're always just trying to educate them for the most part. Uh, we, we, we do, we have a lot of really good coaches that allow us to really kind of do what we need, we need to do. And, and, uh, and then with us, what's on us is to make sure that we are practicing those, uh, uh, the best practices, the most up-to-date uh, strength and conditioning. Um, you know, the old days, it was just about getting someone strong and do it. Now you, we found how much mobility um, helps for the structural integrity of the joint. Um, instead of just jamming the weight on there, we were looking at range of motion and a lot of different things. So um, we've evolved a lot with that and the coaches have allowed us to be part of their teams and evolve to make sure that we're putting, uh, you know, the best practices forward. 
Okay, that's good. So did you play sports growing up? I did, yeah. Grew up in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania. Okay. And, yeah, you know, played every all kinds of sports. So everything from baseball to basketball to wrestling, but kind of my bread and butter was always football. Uh, I played okay. football ever since I was five years old. Northeast Pennsylvania is the equivalent of Indiana. Yeah. Uh, Indiana's basketball. I mean, we just grew up with a ball in our hand and <laughs> we played. So I, I played football ever since I was five and then pretty much you know, all the way through. Okay. So what got you into doing, uh, you know, getting into strength and conditioning? So, so for me, the big deal was being around sports. So when, when football ended up ending, I, I, I felt this, you know, this void, I just wanted to be still around athletics. I didn't want to give that up. Uh, but I was at a junior college at that point, And I had this professor, Ed Gertis still, I mean, the guy is literally, I, he, I contribute you know, him with so much of where I'm at right now, because he was a former West Virginia strength coach, um, professor at this junior college. And he, he told me all about this world. He's like, this profession, this, if you're, if you love the, the weight room, you love still coaching, you want to be around athletics might be a valuable option option. And so I got in, um, when I went, I transferred out to Penn state, uh, when I got into Penn state, I ended up going in there and, um, you know, asking the volunteer, volunteer yeah. my time in the weight room and I gotta tell you one hour one hour of being in that weight room I realized that this is unbelievable and I could not wrap my head around the <laughs> fact that people people get paid to do this yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I did that I, I spent that um that time volunteering and and I just fell in love with it I mean I can remember the first year into my undergrad and they turned to me and they offered to give me at least a couple hours that paid uh, no shit like this yeah. is really, really. So, uh, so yeah so so i ended up getting into it and then falling in love with it and and you know what i, I don't feel like i've ever worked a day in my life because yeah it's just an absolute joy to go and uh, be around those athletes and and to really help people get better yeah and i'm sure at that level too you know these these athletes want to get better you know some are looking to go to the next level so i think they're probably hungry for hopefully what you're telling them yeah. And then that's what it is. You know, we, we have a, you know, people in general want to be better. They want to, they, they, they want to continue to grow. And that's why I think if you're a personal trainer or, or however you know, you are around people to help them with their physical um, improvement, it's so special. But when you're dealing with a, with an athlete that has, you know, every, every one of our soccer players, I, I work primarily with men's soccer right now, and we've got a really, really good team. I mean, one of the most historically, um, great teams there are and yeah. every one of those guys that come into the program all have that one goal for it's not even to be a pro it's to be a first round draft pick and you know to have that kind of ambition and goals and to be able to just be part of their journey with them and give any kind of insight that I can to make them better oh it's, yeah. it's just such a privilege it's an honor to be able to do that how hard is it to pull some of them back though do they uh, they do they push themselves too much sometimes so it's the balance it's it is yeah. the, it is the balance of that um uh, a lot of our it, it all depends what athletes you're working on working with but i do have to say the men's soccer team uh prime they they have they have an engine and they have an ability that they just want to go 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 and they want to go a lot faster than 
uh, their mind is telling them one thing, that, 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 ner- that nervous system is revved up, but structurally, they've got some bad wheels on them. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta pull them back so you biomechanically could just set them up so that when they are ready to hit that full throttle that they structurally stay together. So that is always the challenge. And, and yeah. that's where this field has evolved so much. Before it was we took an athlete that came in, we saw that and we tried to strengthen them up as best as we could. Now we analyze and we analyze with not just our eye, but with uh, different devices. We're looking at not only, you know, the cardiovascular uh, part of it from the, from the heart and everything else um, that's inside. But then we look at the biomechanic, biomechanical makeup of, of each kid, how, how they move, their mobility, um, structurally, how uh, joint angles are looking. So it's, it's, it's definitely evolved in a way that is much safer, but much more productive for the athlete. Okay. Then how about as far as physical therapy? Obviously you have a team that's working with them as well in conjunction with you guys. Yeah. The, the whole thing, the whole system is a, is a big team oriented deal. So you got the strength coaches, but then you also got the dietitians, you got the athletic trainers, you got the sports medicine uh, side of it. And then you also got uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, I mean, massage therapists, you, we have an, an incredible team that just surrounds every one of those student athletes and they're all working there in conjunction, uh, you know, working collaborative to, together to be able to put out the best uh, program for those student athletes. You know, we all have our expertise, we all have our area, but um, the real true expertise and the real true magic of what we do is the ability to work together and be able to look at all these different sectors of, of any individual and figure out how to give them the best program. That's amazing. It, it's just, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> amazing. And, and it really, like, I, 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 when we, when we bring in young recruits an 18 or a 16 year old comes in there, a 17 year old, and that's what we try to tell them, you know, you, you played soccer your entire life. You've done this, but now when you enter into this, you're going to have a team that you're with the Indiana soccer team is one thing and your coaches but now the behind the scenes, that support staff, it doesn't just, it's not just an athletic trainer anymore. You've got these, you've got doctors, you've got um, even orthopedic surgeons are at practices mm-hmm. making sure that, you know, our rehab is going the right way. There's a team of people that are there to keep you safe or to keep you moving forward. And um, it's pretty special. It's amazing. I mean, in, in it's, it's a recipe for success and you just got to come in there and you work your butt off, follow yeah. the plan, you will have success. That's awesome. So uh, I saw you've done some adventure racing and some triathlon stuff before. Mm-hmm. I did. Yes. Yeah. How long did I, you do that? So, so it's cool transition. So there I am football player. I got up to like 200 and you know, 20 some pounds, uh, you know, and, and I just loved the game. And then all of a sudden the game ends for me. It's my, my it's kind of over, but again, I wanted to be around sport, but the other side of it is, I wanted that competition. I wanted to get out there and compete in with something. So I dusted off the old mountain bike and um, I went out there and I did my first little 10 mile mountain bike race. And, uh, and I got to be honest with you, I thought it was the hardest thing in the world. I, I, I'm not even three miles into this. And I thought about picking my front of the or front tire up and throwing it off a rock and saying I couldn't finish because my tire blew out. I mean, I, I thought, oh, it was unreal how, how hard it was, but, but, when I crossed the line, and, and I know you probably noticed as well, you, there was just this sense of accomplishment and this sense of it being so demanding, so hard, and having to do it for so long, even though it was only 10 miles at that point, 
that I, I it kind of lit the lit the it ignited something in me, and um, and before you knew it, the mountain biking turned into some uh, you know as you said adventure races, and the adventure races start with these little balance bar six to eight hours balance bar high tech adventure races. I could still remember mm-hmm. them, and uh, going six to eight hours. I've never done anything for six yeah. to eight hours, and we we just did this as a team and just loved every bit of it. But at that point, that kind of really uh, opened up this whole other world because that was me really entering in, you know, from, from the, the power athlete, from a football player or a baseball player into this world of endurance and just feeling what it did to your body. And, um, before you know it, I'm competing in 24, 48. And then we did a 72 hour, uh, adventure race in, uh, in the new river gorge in, in West Virginia. And what that did for me, uh, from my psyche to just literally showing what is possible if you just keep putting a foot in front of each other it, it was something that changed my life completely and and that's what endurance sports is, has yeah. done for me yeah how, how old were you when you did that like, so, I started, so i was uh, i guess i would have been about 24 at that point 24 maybe even 25 uh, when i started doing those heavily and um yeah and then later on that progressed even into uh, half ironmans and in the, the world of triathlons which yeah. is another just uh, a bear of a, a, a sport to try and uh, contend with. Yeah, it's just, it's training. That's what it comes down to. It's, it's time Yep. to do that. So um, when did you, um, I guess, when was your last triathlon? You did an Ironman? Yes. So the last, the last, it would have been a half Ironman and it would have been uh, Benton Harbor and that would have been in 2011. Okay. So that would have been the last one. Um, and the last adventure race, you know, the last one, um, well, before my life kind of changed a, yeah. a little bit was, um, it was actually in May or in April of 2012. So we had, we had done a, uh, 24 hour adventure race. I did it with my wife and two close friends, team of four. We ended up winning that adventure race. Um, and I was set up. I, I mean, yeah. we had a team there and, and, and then Ironman and everything else was going really well. Yeah. So then May 17th, 2012 happens. What, how was that day? What happened? So that day, it was a day that, you know, I went out, I went out for a, what I call a training ride. You know, I was competing that weekend. This was on a Thursday and I was competing in a mountain bike race, a series that was happening in just North of, or in Northern Indiana. And so I went out for just that fine tuner primer, just to make sure everything is together. Bike is working and you're good. And uh, the goal was to do these four laps around this little mountain bike course. And so I did the first lap and warmed up, second lap built off of that. Third lap, I'm rolling, just pedaling and feeling better than I ever have. And by the fourth lap, I mean, I'm soaring. The confidence has grown. Uh, The bike is dialed in. I'm feeling just incredible. And then about a quarter mile before I'd end the ride, I would go around this sharp corner and I would smash a rock. And before you knew it, I was somersaulting through the air. I mean, I could see the ground coming up faster and faster, but there was just nothing I could do. And then all of a sudden impact, I smashed the ground with the front part of my head and, and it literally just jarred my head back, sent shockwaves through my body. And I felt my body instantly kind of turn to flames and just catch on fire. And uh, yeah, I somersaulted around and then landed flat on the ground and laid there motionless. So how long were you there before someone found you? 
So I was in, I ended up being there for over three and a half hours. Wow. I mean, so three and a half hours of just going through kind of the highs and lows and you can't even think of the highs in there, but, but there was some, um, but the reality of just, you know, trying to figure out how to get out of the woods and figuring out, you know, what, what I could do, trying to get off the ground, not being able to move, then trying to grab my phone, realizing at that point that my hands weren't working. I mean, it yeah. was these series of different emotions that were going through. But luckily at three and a half hours, two riders uh, came up behind me and they, they called for help. And uh, well, that's when the real journey started and began. Yeah. yeah. So what was the injury? So the injury was a C6, C7 vertebrae. Um, so easiest way to say it, it broke my yeah. neck. Yeah. And, yeah. So incomplete or? Incomplete, yes. Okay. So what motion, I guess initially, um, did you have much motion at all in the beginning? No. So the, the initial thing was I couldn't move my hands. Um, when I would lift my, if I could lift my arm up, I didn't have triceps to be able to, to hold my hand above my head. Yeah. Um, and obviously there was, there was no motion from chest down, uh, no, no abs, no core, um, and no leg movement. So that was the initial, um, immediately right after, um, when I was in the hospital. Okay. And then, uh, how many surgeries did you have? Just one. And then, okay. you know, that was another, so again, this was, this was just a huge emotional deal. And I remember going yeah. to that shoulder surgery, you know, there's a couple things. There's a lot of stuff I remember throughout this journey, but the, the one thing that I really remember going into that surgery, uh, the doctor, the surgeon saying, Hey, if we could go in and just make one cut, have one surgery, go, go in through, through the front, that's best case scenario. He said, chances are you might, we might have to go in the front, the back, and then there's going to be multiple surgeries. And, uh, I remember coming out of surgery and that was my first thing. It's all I wanted to know was one cut or two. And yeah. I remember when he told me, Nope, just one cut. I thought, all right, this is good. I mean, this is the best yeah. scenarios on here. We just got to keep, you know, praying for the best and working, yeah. um, keep working on here and we'll see what happens. So how long are you in rehab? So rehab, I stayed in rehab for one year. Uh, okay. I stayed in for, I was an inpatient, um, inpatient in Fraser rehab down in uh, Louisville. And I was there for uh, roughly three and a half months. So living in the hospital for three and a half months and then moved to an outpatient um, scenario where I lived at a, a little house with two incredible people um, that opened up their doors to me and you know, le- left me stay with them. Uh, but I, I, I can, you know, just commute it back and forth, um, uh, in Louisville there, but stayed in rehab itself for one year. Okay. Yeah. Your mobility looks good. So how's your trunk control right now? Trunk is, uh, it's, it's good. It's not great. So yeah. that, uh, I have a low back on this, uh, wheelchair. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was just pretty good. So I'm pretty stable, but if it was, you know, to do a sit up or to do a back extension or to do any of that stuff, uh, I can't quite do that, but I do have some control. I've got good balance with that. My yeah. arms and upper body has, it's definitely come back a lot. I mean, my hands aren't as strong as they were, but they're, they definitely get the job done. I mean, I'm able to, uh, to grip stuff. I'm able to, to work with them. Some of the real fine motor skills, sometimes it still messes with me, but for the okay. most part, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I'm pretty fortunate yeah. from, from where I was to where I've come or where I'm at. Yeah, I, I happened to see something. I don't remember where it was. Um, did your doctor tell you um, something about not being able to do a push-up? Yes. So what was that story? Yeah, so <laughs> that was 
So that was immediately, uh, immediately after, you know, it, we're, we're going through the, the emotions of everything going on, you know, going in. Um, when you think of paralysis, everybody just associates paralysis with the fact that you can't, you know, you're not going to walk, you're not going to walk, you're not going to walk. Um, but you start quickly, you quickly realize that walking is kind of the least of your worries at that point. And so we start probing for more questions. We start, you know, going through and we're going through this rehab process. And um, we brought it up about, you know, lifting. Can I lift? Can I, you know, I saw the little biker gometer. Like, I'm like, can I do that? And he's like, Tom, you, your arms, your arms don't work. They're, they're, you're not going to be able to do that stuff. And, and I remember my wife just sitting there in my little corner of my ear, which she did so often. She's like, you just, just show them, just show them you can. And I remember I'm on the, I'm on one of the big rehab bed, uh, beds and I'm laying there and uh, I put my hands down and, and tried to push. And you realize how heavy my body felt at that point. You know, I used yeah. to do a lot of push-ups, but I start pushing and I pushed with all my might. I mean, everything that I, you, you would swear it was like a 400 pound bench press, yeah. but I was able to push myself up into a full upright position. And it was at that point that the doctor was just, you know, right on the corner yeah. of the bed. And um, she, my wife looked at him and just shrugged her head and walked <laughs> away. But it was, it was such a cool thing because that was, that was where our mindset was between the two of us. You know, my, my, my wife, she's just, she's, she's as tough as they come. She should have been a strength coach. I'm telling yeah. you, she is like, she is, she is tough. And um, she's always pushing me. She's always pushing herself. And, and when people told us we couldn't do something, I knew they weren't saying it malicious. They were just trying to, you know, yeah. paint a reality into our head. And, and I get it. Um, but it also gave me that little bit of an edge just to kind of show, you know, Hey, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give it my best effort there. The reality is, is this, there's a lot of things that I still can't do, but yeah. I work really, really hard to try and obtain um, and prove them wrong to a certain degree. Um, but just, just sometimes reality is you do come up short, but um, I've still enjoyed this journey the whole time. Yeah, that's great. So how do you think adventure racing and, and your time doing endurance sports actually helped you post recovery? Yeah. I think number one thing is, is it taught me how to suffer. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think endurance sports, you literally learn to suffer. It's a, a sustained suffering. It's highs and lows. It's being able to, to, to think you can't put a foot in front of them and you figure out, I'm just going to walk through this aid station and then I'll jog a little bit or I'll, you know, you figure out how to keep moving, but you keep somehow you keep moving forward. And for me, I really do want to say that that, that endure, endurance sports, being able to have so much time on a bike and have a time on, um, you know, in a pool and just learning how to push myself when I wanted to quit, you know, having that yeah. ability to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And, 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 and still just continuing to keep moving forward. I really do think it's a game changer. It was a game changer for me. It allowed me to sit in those lulls, which, I've had a lot of lulls after this accident, yeah. but knowing that you just got to suffer through this because with every darkness, there's a light as long as you just keep pushing through that. And, um, and I think that was the biggest value that I've uh, uh, taken from my, my life before and, and where I'm at now. Yeah. And then also, it looks like you have awesome support at IU. Incredible. Yeah. Um, what has that family meant to you? The family is incredible. You know, I, I, everybody always asks me what IU, IU means and, and it's, it's the people of IU. I mean, it's, it's this, it's these people that 
uh, reached out directly after the accident. I mean, my coworkers, uh, you, Chris, the, a guy, Chris Birch, who I worked with now for probably 12 years. On the 4th of July, I'm still in the hospital. He and his wife ended up driving down to Louisville and, and created their own little picnic in my bedroom, um, looking overlooking the lake and watching fireworks. I mean, other uh, coworkers, Lainey Deppie, um, end up, you know, she was racing, uh, racing bikes a lot at that point. She gave me all of her winnings just to help out with any kind of rehab. And then Fred Glass, you know, the guy, they all just made me not only, you know, feel empowered uh, because of this team that surrounded me, but they just gave me that support, that energy, that motivation. You know, they gave me the motivation with all that help, I just knew that I wanted to make them proud. I wanted to continue to keep moving forward. And um, it's something that I just can't say enough. So the people that make up by you are a really, really incredible group of people. Yeah, that that's awesome. So then as far as now, like being a strength coach, how has that helped? I'm sure being in the gym with those guys is probably awesome. It's probably, again, you're focused on taking care of them. So I'm sure there's no time to worry about anything else. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're not stuck going. And I have multiple levels with, with being a strength coach because, you know, in the world of strength and conditioning, you know, we have some really crazy minds as far as like, what is possible? Like, it's like, well, can that happen? Most people would say no, but in the world of strength and conditioning, there are no no's and there's no, I can't, it's, it, it is going to happen. And so that mentality, I, I came back um, probably six months after the accident. I just came back to visit uh, with all my coworkers and, very first thing they did was they got me out of my chair and then they took my chair and put it at the other end of the weight room. Now, Pete, our weight room is 75 yards long and they put my chair at the other end and I crawled and I crawled all the way down. And I, and I got so mad in the middle because it was just, it was so challenging. Yeah. They stood there cheering me on, cheering me on. And, and, and I was able to get it done. Um, and again, it, it built my confidence up, but it also built me physically up yeah. uh, to be able to do that. And, you know, the funny thing is we, two weeks later, I come back, they do the exact same thing. This time they throw a 20 pound chain behind me. <laughs> while I had to drag down. So, but so it's that mentality that, that I think really did help me out as far as moving forward. Um, but then you also, like you mentioned in, in the weight room, the, the energy from an 18 to 20 some year old, oh. it's, it's, ah, it's, yeah. it's addicting. Like you just, you love it. You feed off it and you don't have any time to sit there and yeah. dwell on woe is me. You just want to be in that. You want to be helping those guys out. And, um, and then that's just, you know, I, I said, I always, I have a perfect situation from the, from the team that surrounds me um, to the support, to, to the fact that my job before and after I, I was able to kind of transition back to, and my job itself was as, good a rehab as I ever could have had because of yeah. the mental side of it, the physical side of it, everything that went on has uh, really maximized what my recovery is. Yeah, I think it's huge. And then you just sitting in a cubicle by yourself doing whatever type of job, you know, you're right, that energy. So as far as your training plan and things that you do right now, strength, um, how are you doing that? Yeah, so I designed my own training plan, um, mm -hmm. put everything together. But like you know, like any good plan, you you pull from uh, the experts, and um, we have we have incredibly smart people that are around IU, and you know, from physical therapists to chiropractors. Um, I have my own little team that kind of surrounds me. Uh, shoulders are a major deal for me. A lot yeah. of a lot of wear and tear on these guys, and I want to make sure that they're you know, I'm 80 some years old, 
uh, still being able to do a lot of this stuff. So, so I lean on when I'm, when I'm writing up my own workouts, I lean on a lot of experts to kind of give me um, what I should be doing. And it's helped out a lot because there's a lot of things that I, I don't know that have really helped me out with um, different mobility issues. There's a lot of things that I didn't even realize were happening until, you know, that, that outside eye could see what's happening. And it gives me great um, a feedback to, to be able to correct my posture, my breathing yeah. um, and stuff like that. It just, it's, it's, it's all about the, it's all about the team uh, when, when it comes to designing a program. And I use it the same way as I do for our athletes. Okay. So how often are you strength training a week? So right now I'm in a phase where I go, I lift three times a week, Okay. but, but I'm riding roughly five, uh, five to six times a week as well. So this okay. is, this is all low, um, low riding, but heavy lifting right now. Okay. So you hand cycle, what do you hand doing? cycle? Yes. Okay. Um, so how much do you, you're riding five days a week. You said, how long are you typically riding? So right now it's pretty, it's about 45 minutes to an hour on the rollers. Um, okay. nice and easy, listening to podcasts, uh, watching some movies, but what okay. ends up happening, you know, it's, a, I, I'm, I'm literally following the same kind of protocols as I did when I was a cyclist upright and using okay. my life. Um, uh, you know, same thing from, you know, a power meter using different, uh, zones to, to everything. It's just all relative on the scale of what I'm able to put out. So, you know, before, you know, having an FTP of 300 and some, um, now you have an FTP of 140 Watts. Like it's yeah. just, just all different, but, um, it's all scaled by the percentages, um, of whatever workout is in there. Okay. So are you monitoring your heart rate? Mm -hmm. I do. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Which that is another interesting thing because of the yeah. injury, uh, to get your heart rate my, in the early stages, I couldn't get my heart rate above 110 beats where before, you know, before this accident for me to ride at 170 or 175, it was, it wasn't, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't near maximal. Um, but after the accident, uh, physiologically, you're, you're, everything is so impaired and you have a lot less muscles that are moving. There's, there's many different factors that are going on. Um, but just learning what that new scale is, uh, as far yeah. as, well, where should my heart rate be? How, how am I going to go? You know, the idea of sweating, I mean, the first three years, um, I didn't sweat at all. Yeah. And that was all part of this injury. Um, but three years into this, I went out for that summer and I still remember it. I mean, there, like I said, walking would be really, really awesome. But yeah. for me, there's so many little things like to be able to pinch my fingers or to be able three years into this and all of a sudden start sweating. I mean, it's, I don't know what walking would feel like, but I yeah. know the joy that I get out of being able to do pinch the fingers yeah. sweat, or be able to do different things by myself is, um, it's really, really incredible because every little thing helps out tenfold uh, into my life. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. How is breathing been? Did you have a lot of issues with respiratory stuff in the beginning? I did. Yeah. yeah. So, it, so, so that was you know, when I laid in the woods, I didn't realize you know, I, I didn't even realize what was happening. Uh, not that anybody really would, but when I was laying there, I could hear people in, in, in the, like in, out in the, in, in the fields and, and some people were, like, you could hear noise. So they weren't that far away. But when I went to yell, to yell help, it just came out as this little muffle, like help, but I couldn't project anything. And then I remember days after this accident, even trying to have a conversation, I was just out of breath and I just couldn't breathe. And over that first year, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time in 
um, you know, doing different breathing studies, doing different mm -hmm. breathing techniques to try and bring that back to get all these respiratory muscles back in and try and maximize stuff. You know, now breathing is maybe the biggest thing that I focus on. Three days a week, I focus on lifting. Um, uh, riding is the other part. But every single day, twice a day, I'm doing some kind of different breathing technique, trying to, you know, always nasal breathe, always pull the air in and, and keep everything coordinated the right way. Because what happened was even last year, I really started becoming aware of, of the fact that I'm breathing through my mouth a lot my posture started slipping because my diaphragm was affected yeah. and everything. It was just any little thing that I change in my life has such a ripple effect that goes on. And that's good and bad because if I change yeah. something that's good, it really ripples in the right way. But if I change something in the bad, all of a sudden the ripple effect that systemically goes through my body, um, mm, it's, it, it becomes almost catastrophic. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, um, you hear C7 and, you know, your respiratory muscles, all, all of that stuff is all part of your thoracic spine. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's definitely weak, but you can train all that stuff. As long as you have, it's incomplete, you have some uh, ability. That's awesome. And I think probably cycling is great doing that endurance sport. You're pushing things just like everything else. Yep. So it, exactly. So yeah. all of that stuff, everything, you know, it's, it's amazing because it's the more situations I could put my in for, myself in from cycling to, um, to swimming, to all these different yeah. things, it, it really does um, bring my body back in ways that I just never thought were, were possible. So it's, it's definitely helped out a lot. And, you know, and we're living in a, with COVID going on. Um, I'm super cautious of everything go, out there uh, because I just don't know what that would do to my body. I, I don't, everybody always asks me, they're like, are you, are you at a higher risk? Like, is that, yeah. like, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I mean, yeah. I have limitations, but um, but I do believe that I think breathing, even for the healthy population, um, is is such an important uh, way to train. I think you should uh, the focus of uh, different breathing techniques and stuff. I, I, I think it just pays dividends on uh, overall performance and, and then just lifestyle. I mean, we spend so much time with our men's soccer team, just teaching them how to breathe. And it's amazing with them learning how to to breathe or breathe properly. Um, where their uh, VO2s end up retesting and where, what that looks like on their body. It's, it's really incredible. That's awesome. So then as far as COVID, you know, you're in, the, you're in the gym, you got all these athletes in there and they're college students. So who knows what they're doing? I know you can try to track them. Um, what risk for, or what's your exposure like? What are you doing now to, to limit that exposure? So we're super fortunate at IU. We have, um, we have two team physicians that are, we have Dr. Larry Rink, who's a world-renowned cardiologist. And then we have Dr. Andy Hipskin, who is our team physician. Um, both of them are not only leading the charge at IU, but they're leading the charge throughout um, the Big Ten and in the country as far as what the protocol should be in place. So we're pretty fortunate of having kind of the, uh, the best right in our backyard, in our backyard. And so for us, we're football team is tested every single day. Um, all of our athletes are getting tested minimum two times a week, sometimes up to four times. We're getting tested weekly. But on top of that, social distancing is a major deal that we're really trying to um, always adhere to. Um, masked up all the time, making sure that everybody is um, spread out in the weight room. So again, that social distancing, making sure that it's like every other rack they're on. Uh, it's, it's been really, in the beginning, I was really, really concerned, but then as time went on and you find out that everybody falls into these new normals and this um, attention to detail 
of you know, making sure that things are wiped down, making sure masks are always on, making sure that they're standing away from you. They transitioned out of their old habits fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And it gave me kind of that reassurance that, man, this is going to be okay. Because my, my big thing was, is I'm only about four foot tall, you know, sitting yeah. in a little chair. So everybody that's above me, you know, <laughs> alive, I'm kind of getting showered on all darn yeah. day. So, um, so I, I was pretty concerned about it, but I've been around, yeah. I've been around a couple athletes that I know have had it. Um, you know, we found out yeah. and um, when we both had masks on and uh, we both stayed away from one another, I never tested knock on wood. Yeah. I've never tested positive and a couple of them have. So, yeah. um, so again, we're, we're, we're taking, trying to be as cautious as we can. Um, but it's been, it's been amazing to see what those young athletes uh, the responsibility that they are taking um, in into this environment. Yeah, that's good. And so uh, two questions. So the first one, um, you know, I'm in healthcare too. I'm a physical therapist. So I think by taking the necessary precautions, social distancing, wearing a mask, having both parties wear a mask, I think it, it decreases the risk so much. So mm-hmm. I think that that's number one. But then now to go to your breathing, wearing a mask, what is that? How difficult was that in the beginning? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, and so this is how it started in the summertime. Uh, we get the entire men's soccer team back and they're, we're out in the field and I had them wear their mask even outside at that point. Yeah. And, um, and they're all dying and they, and they're running and there's sweat that's saturated through and they're trying to breathe. And you could just tell that this intensity's up, but I'm like, I don't really, I wonder how hard this actually is. So then I start, I just decided to wear one and go out on my hand cycle yeah. and go, it is unbelievably more challenging to have that mask on with it. But what I will say is this, is that like everything, we, we adapt, you know, we, yeah. we adapt to it and you get used to it. Um, it's still not comfortable by any means, but it's tolerable. And yeah. knowing that uh, to your point that if two parties are wearing that mask, it keeps us that much safer. Um, everybody's just come to terms with the fact that, yeah, this, this, isn't, this isn't the best, it's not ideal but at least we're both being safe. At least we're still getting that workout in. Um, you know, I've been asked a couple of times, well, do you think it be, you know, generally if something's harder, it makes it better. I'm yeah. like, that's, I mean, maybe there's some physiological um, uh, bonuses to this, but, but, uh, but I don't know. We've done a lot of testing and uh, we haven't, we haven't seen anything that um, is different than the normal, but I do know that we're safe. Um, we, we, and, and we, our endurance is where it needs to be, if not better than uh, where we were. Yeah, we joke about that. I know the beginning, I came home from work exhausted. Just, you know, you're, you're tired because you don't feel like you're getting oxygen now. It's like no big deal. And actually here in North Carolina, the recommendation is to actually start working out with a mask on unless you're doing, you know, a, a severe a workout like you're, you know, strenuous workout, I should say. Um, but, you know, who defines strenuous? So that's the, that's the difficult part. Um, but I've tried running with it and it's, it's hard. It takes a while to get used to. And, and that's where I think breathing, you know, using proper breathing technique does help as yeah. well. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And that's a big thing that I realized I really start focusing on nasal breathing, even no matter how strenuous the exercise gets, no matter how hard it is, you know, you, your natural instinct is to resort to breathing through your mouth. Uh, but we're really focusing on breathing through the nose with the mask on. It even helps. Uh, so much more with the when I when I was trying to breathe through my mouth with a mask on it's getting sucked in and but with the with the uh, breathing through your nose and being able it just kept everything so much better and I was able to train still at a really high rate of intensity oh that's awesome so you said you are doing some swimming I am yes uh, and when you some is yeah. 
very repetitive. Very <laughs> it's funny. I always, I, I was, uh, I know you had Sue on. Uh, yeah. And uh, Sue and I are the same as far as like swimming. We are just <laughs> people that are not, not the best uh, uh, swimmers, but uh, yeah. So if you take my legs away from it, it's even become even more of a scene, but it's yeah. nonetheless, it, it is, it's so freeing to get into the water. You know, I'm doing it for fitness. Yeah. But to be able to get into that space in the water and be supported and be able to to to, to move, it's um, it's such a free and cool atmosphere to be around. So I, I love it for so many things. But psychologically, um, yeah. I, I, just, I get a lot of joy out of it. Okay. So pre-COVID, were you doing a lot of trying to do exercise and stuff in the water besides just swimming? Were you doing stuff? Yeah, I was trying to. Yes. So um, so when I'm in the water, I try to almost do different core exercises. So. Uh-huh. I can learn how to stabilize or, or rotate or do anything. Use the water as almost mm-hmm. resistance on my legs. Um, yeah, I, tr- I try to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that's great because it just basically takes body weight away. And again, that, anything you can do to work your core is, is a good thing, especially if you have some muscles there. Absolutely. Um, and that's the thing is trying to just trying to activate anything and whatever different kind of planes, trying to, you know, um, trying to even move, move limbs at, at this point, you know, it's, it's crazy to think, uh, but two years ago, yeah, two years ago. So that would have been six years past the accident. Um, I was in the shower one day and I was just trying to, I always try to move my toes. It's just a thing I've yeah. always done. And uh, one day I looked down and I could see my uh, uh, fourth metatarsal just moving. And I thought, yeah. is that happening? Like, yeah. is that-? And long story short, over the last two years, I've been able to move all five toes and uh, I've actually gotten some movement in my left calf. And, and the only reason I say it is, is because right after the accident, um, you know, they, they told me that you have made basically a year, maybe a year and a half. And then after that, it is what it is. Um, but I have been doing all these different environments, getting into the pool, trying different things. And, you know, I, who knows at this pace, I'll probably be 125 if I ever take a step the way things are going back. But, um, but nonetheless, you just never know. And so, yeah. Uh, Try to put myself in different scenarios uh, to create different stimulus and try to maximize whatever it can happen. Yeah, the brain's an amazing thing. Uh, so again, you just keep stressing it and you see what happens. Uh, so are you doing weight-bearing stuff? Are you trying to stand in a standing frame or anything? Mm-hmm. So I do. I have a standing frame uh, at home. and I have one over at my office. We actually have another one in the gym too. And um, that one is actually positioned on a vibration pad. Okay. So what I found was that by standing on the vibration pad, um, it, it stimulates so much, but I could actually lock my quads out. And it's not a voluntary thing, but yeah. the stimulus from that bottom and the vibration, it actually will put me in a position that, um, that I could stand there with my quads and, and glutes uh, kind of locked in, which is incredible. To, to yeah. do. So, so I do, I, I try to weight bear as much as I possibly can. Um, I, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that would uh, weight bearing wise. I do a lot of the standing frame just because it's so easy and it's a it's very independent that I could just jump in and out of. Yeah, that's great because we want to weight bear through those bones uh, mm-hmm. again, just to try to keep them strong as well. Because when you're not weight bearing, we worry about you know bone density. Yeah, well, and that, and that's you want to talk about a real kicker. I, you know, break my neck, I'm paralyzed. Uh, life is tough, and you know all this stuff. But six months into this, I end up having. Uh, my foot swell up and I didn't know why um, end up going over to get an x-ray x-ray comes back that nothing was broke nothing was uh, bad but I had early onsets of osteopenia and I yeah. thought 
what? Like, <laughs> as I'm a, I'm a 32 year old man and now I have osteopenia. Like, yeah, it was the weird things in my life that really triggered this emotional reality check of what, yeah. you know, what, what's going on. And, um, yeah, so now I, I, I do a lot of calcium, but I, I try to weight bear as much as I, I possibly can. You know, we, my wife and I, we have a standing frame out in our, in our main living area and, um, she'll sit on the couch to watch TV yeah. and I'll stand because it's, we just kind of roll reverse. She's on our feet all day. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting all day. So that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So you do a massage too? I do. Yeah. So deep tissue massage. I do that once every two weeks. I have a, a fantastic woman in town. She's sadistic. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the pain that she puts you in. Oh, but I, I got to say, I, every time these shoulders get uh, gunked up, uh, she definitely is able to keep them going, but it's um, the consistency that I found. It's, I used to go to her only when things hurt. And then I realized that if I only do that, then um, it yeah. wasn't wreaking the benefit. So I use uh, massage as more of a therapeutic uh, deal, not so much a, a, a problem solver or, or a fixer. Okay. So you've done, didn't you do a relay um, yes. and it's recently? Yeah. I, so that would have been, I guess, about two, three years ago now. Um, okay. Yeah, my wife and uh, a great friend, Jason Durking, he's a, a director of strength and conditioning at Louisville. And, um, and Jason and I used to be, we used to compete in um, half Ironmans and endurance races all the time. And uh, yeah, he came up with the idea of, you know, let's do a relay. Let's go back to Benton Harbor. That was a, uh, the last race that we did together. And um, yeah, and we went back there and um, he did the swim. I did the bike and my wife did the run. Okay. So how'd you, any problems recovering from that? How'd you feel? Not bad. Well, the, that ride itself wasn't too bad. I was, I was riding pretty heavily from um, going into that point. So uh, the 56 miles itself wasn't too bad. You know, there's a lot of things that um, aren't really uh, kind of talked about logistically, like as far as a hand cycle. So what ends up happening, you know, as soon as I go from the seated position to laying down, um, I'll have to go to the bathroom. And when you're out on the hand cycle, it's not that it can, you could easily just pull yeah. off and do that. So um, I was very, I knew this was going to happen and I was very aware of how much water I was putting into my system. So the only thing that did happen after that race was I got really dehydrated and yeah. um, I ended up having to go to a tent and get an IV, which wasn't a big deal. It kind of yeah. felt good after the end, yeah. but, uh, but that was it. I was, I was fine. I, I did one, um, we did a hundred and uh, 120 mile ride um, in, in the heat that when I was done with that physically, uh, it, it was just exhausting. I mean, it, I, 120, even on when I, when we would have ridden um, on a bike would have been tough, but to, to be out on that hand cycle and be locked into that position, staring up at the sun all day, yeah. whew, that was a, that was a tough, tough, tough day. Yeah. So how do you do nutrition um, and hydration? Cause obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, so my hand cycle is pretty neat and that, and that, in that, the, the big, the hundred plus miles was, um, I, you know, you we were able to stop. So I was able to, to take care of what I needed at that point. Um, hydration. Um, I have a camelback that sits right underneath the seat. So I could have a hundred ounces, nice and chilled the whole time with uh, little yeah. or, uh, hoses that come over each shoulder. Um, and then I wear a fanny pack, a uh, fanny pack right on my waist that sits there. And I just could reach in there and grab food and uh, pull it out. So it's, it's been pretty neat. I mean, the, the world of hand cycling is awesome. I mean, there's, there's a, a community, uh, a culture, a, a, a competitive culture that 
um, has been established, especially with a lot of our um, young men and women uh, that were overseas and mm-hmm. you know, military duties. And then, you know, unfortunately they're, uh, you know, ha- have an accident. Um, well, a lot of them are back and they are super competitive. So they've yeah. come back and, and, and we get together and we race and that's, that's become a pretty big part of my life of being able to get out um, and push myself physically the way I uh, was before, um, but getting that competitive nature back. Yeah. So how hard is it now with COVID with everything being canceled? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird world where the, the world we're living in right now is all about just adapting, understanding yeah. that, uh, we may not like what's going on, but if, if we could just look at this as a, a learning experience, we kind of talked about that in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, what are we learning from this right now? Instead of dwelling on what we're missing um, and all the races, uh, what can we learn from? But that's easier said than done because I know this. I, I'm looking in my office right now and there's a bunch of stuff, trophies and things that I, I miss it uh, so much. I just yeah. want to be out there and, you know, the, the camaraderie, you know how it is yeah. at Ironman and you just, you want to be around people that are like-minded and, and, and have the same idea and cheer each other on. Um, the racing is one thing, but it's that environment and the, the, all, everything that surrounds it that makes it so special. Yeah, that's awesome. So do you work with um, older athletes too? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, it, not as much right now. Um, I do, I guess I have about four, uh, what I would deem as uh, older, we'll, we'll just say, uh, you know, 50 plus um, mm-hmm. older than the 18 to 20 some year olds. Okay. So I want to quickly talk about, so make Sue strong. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? <laughs> No, Sue is incredible. No, knew her for a long time, and she she asked about working with her. And I'm, ain't, to be around her is a privilege for me because I, you know, learning from what she, I mean, what she could teach is just unreal. So, so she says, I really want to get stronger. I think I heard it in in, in the po- podcast yeah. uh, that she said, you know, she she everybody was stronger than her in in that uh, thing. Well, we got her in the weight room, and we started just sampling with, well, how strong are is Sue? Yeah. Sue is pretty darn strong. And I'll tell you what, she's <laughs> extremely disciplined, disciplined and focused. And, uh, and we started off really light and then we start working into that, into some of her weights. And she was a responder. I mean, she, she quickly, um, weights continue to keep going up, continue to keep getting better. Um, and I think with Sue, she, I don't even know what her cap would be as far as strength, but there one part of it um, that I, I really still wish she would do is mobility. I wish she, we could get her um, actually doing more um, flexibility, mobility uh, training, because I think foundationally um, that would be something that when we, when we hit round two, when, when Sue and I get back together after COVID and all this, um, she's strong, she's disciplined, she's got it all. Now it's going to be about putting all this stuff together and getting her more mobile and, uh, and more flexible. Okay. Were you doing a lot of like powerlifting type of stuff with her? You know, I was doing basic strength training, you know, um, okay. just, uh, from just dumbbell work to uh, bar work. Uh, we have a ton of different machines over there. So uh, that's about it. Uh, you know, we, we did touch on some different power movements, such as a, um, a power shrug, some different triple extension exercises um, to really get her up on those toes and really maximize um, the ankle, knee and hip. Um, but really we stuck to the foundations, I, I, the, okay. the fundamentals of, of what strength training is basic linear progression. She came in on one day, she did this way. Next time she came in, we went up about five pounds and each time she just continued to kept going up every day had a, a goal. Every goal was just to be met. And then we reassessed it. And then we just kept moving forward. And like I said, she's, 
um, an incredibly focused and and uh, uh, the easiest way to say it is she's a responder. So you give her a yeah. little, and she just continues to keep climbing that ladder. And um, at the end of a, a six month um, strength training deal, it was um, unbelievable to see what she transformed into. Yeah, well, it's uh, I saw her Kona time, and I said it's pretty impressive to see what she did, and to be able to run a three forty nine marathon after you know doing the swim and bike, uh, that that strength had a whole lot to do with that. Yeah, yeah, she is. <laughs> I'll tell you, she's she's a warrior. She's a trooper. She's she's tough as they come, and she's done her homework. She's it's all that preparation that's gone into it, um, and and then it's being able to analyze herself. You know, what is the what what do I need to work on, and having some truth. A kind of a truth talk with herself of, yeah. of what what it'll take, and um, and then she puts in the time, and and she produces the results. That's incredible. Um, so for you, what do you think some of the secrets of your success are? Uh, you know, I think just a positive, um, an optimistic, positive uh, mindset. I think is one of the biggest empowering things for me. I just yeah. think I I love to. Um, see the good in everything. And even if I'm blinded by, I'm not seeing the bad, you know, I just, I believe that everybody's company, you know, our old athletic director, Fred Glass always said, um, you know, assume that everybody's coming to you with good intentions. I think it was the old like Jesuit proverb or something like yeah. that, but, uh, but he always said it and it just made, it, it just resonated with me so much because there's so many times that people come to me with situations and, and I, if I remember that they're coming to me with good intentions, I, I look at seeing the good in, in, in what they're in the message they're bringing. And it also allows me by practicing that to look at any scenario that uh, we get put in and see it optimistically, see how I could grow from it, see how I could um, continue to, to learn and, and move forward from it. And, and I really do think that that is, uh, I think that's foundation for success. I think that's what's helped me out tremendously uh, throughout this journey. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, what changes or additions do you think you're going to have to continue to add to your routine now as as you're aging? Yeah, there's a clear difference in my mobility. I'm big in, in, in mobility. I feel like the, the older I get, I can clearly see where my body's shifting one way or the other. I can see how my body wants to uh, round forward. Um, the nature of the chair is that a lot of the stuff that we're doing is um, – you know, it's in that frontal plane. And, 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 mm -hmm. and I know that I got to compensate for that and, and do a lot more posterior stuff. Um, the physical aspects to where we're going to, where I'm going to be in like 10, 15 years. Uh, I don't really know, but I do know that if I look at this little micro part of uh, the last eight years and understand that where my body's going, the trend is going to be I need to stay really strong. I need to keep good flexibility and I got to pay close attention to every little thing right now, because if you, if you let the little things go, they, they're, they're good, good, good until they compound and they can compound yeah. in a good way. But a lot of times they compound in a bad way. So I'm just really attentive to the present moment and everything that is going on. Uh, so that later on uh, I'm able to live a good life. Yeah. How old are you, Tom? Uh, 41. 41. Okay. So how about nutrition? Um, what do you do for diet? So every morning I wake up and I, uh, I got into athletic greens. Uh, the, the supplement, uh, didn't think I'd ever be buying that, but I'll tell you, <laughs> I started and it, I thought it was going to be a, a scenario, by the way, just get it in uh, the first round and then I cancel the subscription. It makes me feel like a million bucks. It really does okay. help me out as far as 
uh, getting in some of the stuff that I was missing. Uh, but I try to, I try to eat less these days. I, I don't, I'm, I, I used to eat a ton. I'd, I'd wake up and eat this huge breakfast. I would do all these big meals. And what I found is that I've cut back a ton on that and my overall digestion is better. My overall, um, my weight is consistent and my overall energy is much better. So that, and then getting rid of all my, all the sugar, I try to stay away from sugar. Um, it's really helped me out tremendously, but I think diet is, you could do, you can move, you could exercise, you could do all that stuff. But if you don't put the right foods in your body, mm -hmm. um, it really, really, um, you'd never maximize what life or what the, what, what, what true performance could be. Yeah. And you, yeah, it's nutrition is so important for your recovery from anything you're doing too, and setting you up for the next day. So I think it's, it's important. Correct. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And that hydration, everything. I mean, it just, it's, it is such a, uh, an important part. Yeah. And you're lucky to have that team around you of all those people, the resources that you have are probably incredible. Incredible. I mean, that's what I, said. I this is, there's literally no excuse. I have, I, I, I know this happened to me, but I am, I, I'm fully aware that even if I need nutrition device, I, we have some of the best in the country. We have medical yeah. people. We have, uh, it's just, uh, I, I'm extremely grateful and, and, and humbled by the fact of the scenario that I am in. Um, but I also am not going to sit back and not take advantage of it and try to, uh, to, to continue to learn and maybe even uh, spread that news or spread that yeah. way of, of, of taking care of yourself to others. That's awesome. Um, so as far as just a few more questions, I don't want to keep you much longer. Um, as far as like goal setting, uh, do you have day-to-day -day goals, weekly goals, long-term? What do you, how do you typically handle those things? Yeah. So I love goals. Um, I love goals and I, um, and I don't follow goals. So let me explain. <laughs> a little bit. I, I always put a big goal out there. You know, again, after this accident, um, I had a, a big goal of independence, um, I worked my butt off to get to that. I also had a big goal of walking, but for me, I throw a big goal out and then I work the process of what has to happen that given second, how, what my attitude has to be right now so that ultimately I could end up um, to get to that goal, whatever it may be. So um, I'm a much more process-driven person. I'm a much, much more process-devoted um, person. Everything that I do is with the idea, though, of following kind of that goal or that North Star. So let me chase that. But if I get to it, if I have success at that, it, yes or no, it's not as, as powerful as the process, the journey to get to that point, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of big goals I had after this accident. And, and quite frankly, I didn't, I didn't hit them, but yeah. that's okay. Because the reality is, is the process, I still put everything I had into trying to get there. Every day I woke up and every day I put my shoes on the, the same way and, and the right way. Um, and then some things were just out of my cards, but the process taught me about the discipline, the consistency, um, who I am deep and, 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 and all the other um, very valuable things that I've learned throughout the, the, this journey. Okay. So do you follow any special mantras or quotes or people you draw inspiration from? Yeah. So I always, I, I live off of one thing that is make today better than yesterday because mm -hmm. that's all we got. You know, we, we, we know what happened yesterday and we got this given moment. So let's make this day better than, uh, than last. And I think uh, the same way as I try to chase goals, I just try and make today better than yesterday and then continue to keep that process going for whatever day that's ahead of me. And, um, and hopefully this ends up being a really good journey of, of life. Yeah. Amazing. 
And I usually end with uh, the hashtag my miles are for. I have a twofold question for you. I want to see if things have changed. So I want you to think pre-accident, if you don't mind, what were those miles you were doing pre-accident? And then how did that change after the accident? And that's, that's good. So before this accident, those miles were for me. Like those miles were, I got up and I just wanted to prove to myself. I wanted to put myself in scenarios where I wanted to quit. And I wanted to prove it to myself that I didn't have to. I didn't want to, you know, uh, I could just keep moving on and keep uh, uh, having success. But now every mile that I do, I have the idea of somebody else in mind, showing them that anything is possible. You could get knocked down. You could get um, you could have this stuff happen to you in life and you can gain your life back and you can gain your life back better than it was before. So um, that, that's actually, it's a, it, it, you, that's, that's a beautiful question because I haven't really thought of that uh, a lot, but that, that's how my life has kind of gone in so many aspects. I, I thought of others before and I wanted to help people out, but now um, I feel like it's my life, uh, life goals, my life mission uh, is to be able to help others and, and show them, inspire, um, and, and to be able to help other people continue to keep making each one of their days better than uh, the last. That, that's awesome. And you're definitely doing that, Tom. I have to say, everybody that I've talked to that knows you, um, and then just seeing any of the things that IU has done, you know, as I searched, I looked for everything out there that I could find and uh, the with the IU soccer team, what they have out there, and then uh, interviewing some of, I think probably some football players, um, pretty incredible. And I think that team you have around you, um, is, is just awesome. And I think that helps. And I think you are providing inspiration to, to everybody. So I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind words and this opportunity to, to share my story with, uh, your listeners and to be part of this. Yeah. Um, so if people want to, there's some Tom's, uh, was it Tom's team charity? Yes. Yeah. What is that? So Tom's Team Charity is we're, we're in the process right now of launching um, a big campaign coming up. We call it the Project uh, or CAN Project. And, and what that is, is that's going to be a huge fundraiser that we'll launch here in the upcoming um, two weeks, actually. I guess we're, we're oof, deadlines coming up here real soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what that is, that's a big fundraiser that's going to be uh, for, for people to donate money to to give money for, for adaptive equipment uh, for individuals that have mobility issues, um, to be able to get out there and experience the world, to experience the world that um, you know, I did before this accident um, to what you experience now. So things like hand cycles, um, mm -hmm. or these different mountain bike uh, apparatuses that um, I'm able to, to use right now. Um, they, I just feel like they're really expensive, but if they could just get in the hands of people that have mobility issues, um, there's just such a level of of your life that comes back and then and independence that comes back by having that. So we're going to raise a lot of money uh, to raise, uh, to, to help supply them. That's awesome. Hey, um, normally I end on that, but I do have, I don't know, do you know the uh, band Mercy Me? Have you ever heard of them? Yes, yes, yes. I actually did. Yes. So they had a new song that they released this week. It's, it's called Say I Can't. So you have to listen to it. Um, it's about a friend of theirs um, that they've known for, I think they said they knew him for 20 years. He was in an accident last year on New Year's and lost both arms and legs in the accident. And it's a video about him and it's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty moving. It's pretty uh, incredible. And, you know, 
So like some of the words are, so, so keep on saying I won't and I'll keep on proving you wrong. Um, wow. So it, you have to, you have to listen to it. You know, when I heard it actually it was last night and basically you came to my mind of, you know, of that doctor telling you can't do push-ups and you're, you're going to do a push-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah. So I definitely I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, Tom, that's all I got. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it so much and uh, have a great night. Yeah, you too. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're able to get some insight into how one weathering athlete approaches each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. I believe his biggest strength is time spent doing endurance racing, his attitude, his wife, and his incredible IU family. He states that he has never worked a day in his life due to his love of being a strength coach and energy he feels from working with student athletes. I'm sure they get the same energy back from him as well. It is difficult not to come out of a conversation with Tom not feeling energized yourself. I am convinced that that environment at IU, along with an amazing team of professionals, has provided the foundation for success. But honestly, it's Tom's attitude, his willingness to put in the hard work that allows for future success. His use of breath work is something every one of us needs to do, especially with the time of wearing masks due to COVID. I'm excited to see the things Tom is doing with Tom's team charity and continues to push the boundaries of what is possible. Thank you for taking time in your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episode inspiring, I ask you to consider to join our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, give me a rating on iTunes, leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel what you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are for, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey, Pete Perusik.